0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnansky and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Joe.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, I am very excited about this week's show, although I have to admit a little concern that we might once again be bordering away from meaninglessness
1: based yeah. on our guests. What it's, do you think? It, Frankly, it's been a problem recently. We've been <laughs> we've been accidentally covering meaningful uh, ground and I, and it's something that we really should be more careful about.
0: Well, and, and I just don't feel like this week's guest is going to help us stay in that. Well, he will though. You know what? I, I have full faith in, in our guest this week to be meaningless. You think
1: think. that we can, you think that despite his, 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 um, his career and his general outlook in the world, we can push him toward meaninglessness.
0: I think that our meaninglessness will outweigh his gravitas
1: oh you think we're just going to overwhelm him
0: oh yeah i don't think he has okay. a chance <laughs> like, what, <laughs> why, why why he would even agree to come on is is beyond me but uh my dear friend your dear friend uh former missouri secretary of state and founder of let america vote and also other things that he'll tell us about jason Kander's with us jason welcome
2: thank you for having me i will point out one that i have an enormous capacity to be capacity to be devoid of all usefulness right and and second not only did i agree to come on i invited myself to come on a second time that's true
0: Did this is so exciting this is we we actually got like uh we we actually somebody reached out and said that you wanted to be on this show which
2: oh worse than that Worse than that, Mike was on my podcast, and on air, I put him on the spot and said, "I'm inviting myself back onto your <laughs> podcast." <And he laughs> couldn't say no. What,
0: a, what yeah, does this say? Trapping. What does this say of Jason's judgment, Mike? I mean, well, let's here, here's what I'm going
1: to I'm going gonna, uh, uh, to uh, put forth a hypothesis here. Okay, Jason deals in very meaningful things like yes. voting rights and uh, and gerrymandering and stuff like that, and so my my hypothesis would be. That, it, you know, it, it were whatever 45 days from the election or something. And the amount of meaning in his life is enormous. And so the idea of spending uh, 270 or so <laughs> minutes, being utterly meaningless, uh, utterly meaningless is probably very tempting. That's my hypothesis. I don't know if that's correct. But what Ooh, uh, Jason, like How how close am I?
2: Uh, you know, I mean, I guess some of that's right. It also could be that I wanted to come on your podcast and promote the fact that I've relaunched my podcast, Majority 54. I mean, that could be it. That that has meaning to me that that I've that I've relaunched my podcast that exists in order to help people have conversations with Trump-leaning people in their lives and actually convince them without losing those relationships. But you know, I digress.
1: No, I think it's my thing. I think I'm right.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no way you would come on this podcast to promote a meaningful podcast. We have like seven <laughs> listeners, and they will not go to your meaningful podcast. What a well, terrible
2: idea. You're right. You're right. And probably all seven have no need for the information that that podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
0: with, with, that would be uh, Majority 54. Is that is that is that what we're referring to?
2: That is what it's called. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> all right, got that out of the way.
0: All right. Well, that is out of the way now. So, all right, well, we're going to talk. Well, we're going to talk sports. We're doing our draft here in a little bit. Um, but let's uh, let's start, because I think the, the big thing to have Jason on this show is I believe Jason's uh, hatred of the Yankees is is equal. Mm. I don't know if it's equal to ours, but it's close. Right. I mean, Jason, where do you stand on the Yankees in general?
2: Well, I mean, I I think my hatred of the the Yankees is certainly uh, strong, but I think mine comes from a slightly different place. Like you all have had within your lifetimes really legit experiences of having the Yankees just completely take things away in terms of winning games against your teams. And for me, it really derives more from a massive inferiority complex (laughs) of in the 80s and 90s of being treated like a farm team uh, you know, my Royals were just, you know, like, no matter who, like if anybody was good, it was like, well, they were going to be in pinstripes by the time they really got good. So I think that's more, it's it's more about feeling like an affiliate double A club uh, of the Yankees.
0: Well, but we all feel that way. I think we yeah. all feel Okay. That. And I feel like in life, I feel like a double A affiliate of the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Generally. Yeah. But, but I think there's also something there that doesn't really get talked about that often, which is, you know, I mean, obviously, Mike is a Red Sox fan, and as a Red Sox fan, that's that Red Sox Yankees thing has been going on forever. Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, and and Cleveland, you know, sort of invented the New York inferiority complex, and and, uh, and all that. But in the seventies and 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 well into the early eighties, Kansas City New York might have been the best rivalry in baseball for that <laughs> for that sort of nine eight nine ten year stretch of time.
2: For sure, it's just that you know I was born in eighty one, so for me, right. you know, I, I I really missed experiencing that other than in reruns, so to speak.
0: You were only four when the Royals won the World Series in eighty five.
2: Yeah, I have just the faintest memories of it, so I've had to ex- I've had to experience that thanks to YouTube uh, over the years, and and also the nineteen eighty five thrill of it all video narrated by Denny Matthews, which I rented no less than thirty times from video <laughs> library as a
0: kid. <laughs> Den- Denny Matthews uh, has, uh, you know, the, for, for those of you who are not Royals fans, uh, the '85 Royals you might remember Game Six. Everybody remembers Game Six, you know, the, the famous ending and uh, the bad call and all those things. But Game Seven, the Royals actually won ten nothing, so it was there was no uh, drama whatsoever. And at some point, uh, Denny Matthews started counting down outs. Mm-hmm. So, so like forever, the most famous call. In Kansas City sports history was Denny Matthews saying no outs to go.
3: Yep.
2: Like
0: that was right. That was that was the that's not a great call.
3: No,
2: no. The, way, the, the Denny Matthews is one of those announcers that if you grew up on Denny Matthews, you think Denny Matthews is—he's like the pizza place down the street from you, right? Like, like everybody thinks the best pizza in the world is the pizza they grew up on, and and so like if you grew up on Denny Matthews, that's how announcing is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a guy just telling you exactly what's happening, and that's it, and uh, and and so like friends who who listen to the Royals like when they're here for a few years like working on my campaigns or whatever they're like what is it why do you like this guy and I'm like I don't understand what your problem is he's there's nobody better
0: Mike Mike I, I am not joking the the final call for the Kansas City Royals finally winning the World Series in 85 after years of 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 heartbreak and and loss was no outs to go We'll be back with the total. That's literally the call. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it, that's it. That's
1: it. That's I mean. terrible. Uh, I would have assumed it would be uh, like no outs to go. Thank you, Dom Denkinger. <laughs> <That> <laughs> All right. Could have right. worked. could have well, worked. But,
0: but where do you stand on the Don Denkinger? Well,
1: well I, I, who are you asking? Me or well, Jason? Well, both of you. I know, but I I know where Jason the, stands.
2: No, no, no. Well, you're more objective. You go ahead.
1: Well, I, I it, to me it, it's the it's the we have this argument all the time cuz Joe hates replay, right? right. And my uh, my best argument for why replay is good is um is unfortunately that if you could go back to that specific call, you would say, well, this is a very important moment in this sure. very important game and they would have gotten it right and unfortunately that for Joe and you Jason means that the Cardinals would have won the World Series in all likelihood so um, I I do feel like it's human error and it's it was part of baseball for a very very long time and it's one of it's it led to some very memorable moments those kinds of human error moments but I still feel like the world is a better place if the call is correct and I feel like you know Galarraga's perfect game and Dinkinger's oh, call in the yeah. World Series and things like that. Like there, it's the, the, it's a very hard argument to make to me to say like no 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 it's human it's human error it's part of the game um, because then you also get things like Eric Gregg's calls of Levan Hernandez's sixteen strikeout game <laughs> in which he called uh, about a hundred and forty balls strikes and. Right. Uh, that just seems unfair to me and i don't i don't buy i the human error part of the game is um, it, it to me it's like a, just a weak argument it just means that you're inviting pain into people's lives who are fans of a team who have things taken away from them uh, unnecessarily so i i feel about it that it's a shame that it happened that it's sad that, yes. a, that i don't i don't like that it happened and i feel like even though good friends of mine would have suffered uh, if the, if that call had been called correctly, I still feel like, well, yeah, but it should have been called correctly. It was the guy was out. What do you want to, well, what do you want me to do?
0: Well, to be fair, uh, I'm not opposed, as you know, to replay the correct obvious mistakes. I've never been opposed to that. I'm, I'm very much for that kind of replay. My problem is replay then creeps into not obvious mistakes and then creeps into Slightly changing the rules, then creeps into okay. Well, what is a catch uh, in football? And and if a if a toe goes a millimeter off the base because it bounced yeah. off, and you have a tag on there, you know that's an out. And it's just like it's my problem with replay is I, I've said all along I'm all for replay where you play it live it, at live speed. You watch it at live speed, hmm. and if the mistake is is clear enough. You change it. I mean, that that I'm all for that. My thing with Denkinger, and that's what really what I was asking Jason is, as every Kansas City fan knows. Mm -hmm. There were not yes, two outs. that's what
2: I was about to say. <laughs> everybody, everybody talks about it like that was the end of the game. No, there was not, no. there was not two outs, and not only that, they had an opportunity to make yet another out, but they couldn't catch a, a routine fly ball, <laughs> fly ball in foul territory. Right. Yeah, so like the Cardinals lost that game regardless. Not to mention the fact that if if you cannot be resilient enough to then come back and do something other than get blown out in the next game, then you didn't deserve to win the world series in the first place. Also Cardinal fans need to understand, like they've got what 11 championships, like chill out.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's all true. It's also the, it's also the, the Cubs Marlins thing, right? It's the Bartman thing where it's like that play Mm -hmm. does not determine that game. Alex Gonzalez makes an insane, like an error on a play that I'm pretty sure my 12 year old jerk son could have converted like it was a two hopper in my memory or a three hopper like waist high that just clanked out of his glove like yes of course and then they have Kerry Wood pitching in game seven and he uh gives up a thousand home runs and like yeah so of course there's no there's no predetermined outcome and you do have to like be resilient uh and as a team if you lose a game like that but it's still to me, it's like the reason that replay exists is for moments like that where it's just like yeah. this is just this is a routine play at first that the guy just blew. And same with same with Galraga's perfect game. It's like those moments would be better. Uh, those games would be better. The uh, people would feel better about the outcomes. The crazy thing is, and I, I, I as a Red Sox fan, I have to bring this up again, is pre-replay in game six of the ALCS in 2004, um, the umps made two calls. Two incredibly huge calls that they then correctly reversed by just talking to each Mm -hmm. other, and that it's part of what makes that postseason so magical to me is that those moments when they happen to you uh, before replay exists, you think like, "Well, there's we're just screwed. There's nothing we can do." And somehow magically, Mark Bellhorn's home run to left, which hit a guy in the chest (laughs) in the stands and then bounced back onto the field, and the famous A-Rod slapping the ball out of uh, Bronson Arroyo's glove. They fixed them both. It's it's one of the most unlikely things that has ever happened in the history of baseball before replay. That they get because they never reverse those calls. There the before replay, the um there was this kind of insane like originalist stance. Yeah, that yes. took, which was like however we called it, we can't overturn it because I don't know it. It's. Im- Embarrassing, or it looks bad for us or something like that. And in both cases, Tim McClellan and, and the crew got together and they talked it over and they're like, no, here's what actually happened. And they reversed them. And it's, it's wild when that happens without having to go to replay or before replay is a possibility.
0: What I didn't realize was that could have happened in the Galarraga uh, perfect game mm-hmm. because the third base coach, the third base umpire, uh, like 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 literally the minute the umpires walked off the field, uh, the third base umpire came over to him and said, "Yeah, man, I think you missed that call." Oh. I mean, like, like immediately. Uh. And which is, you know, I, I mean, at that point, I mean, it's not, it's not a call that 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 he thought was questionable. I mean, like in his mind, uh, it was, it was a very clear. He like he didn't doubt his call until later. Like later, he looked at it and obviously knew he blew it, but he didn't. It wasn't like at the time he thought, "Oh, this is." this is questionable i should try to get some help he never thought that but if he had and he'd gone over to the third base uh, umpire um i think they would have overturned it and that would have been awesome
1: so here here's you know? this is a, an interesting philosophical question for um for us three of the last 65 people on earth who actually <laughs> like baseball and think about it so yes. you know there these moments these kind of like these indelible moments where these, you know, either something remarkable happens, the, you know, the shot heard around the world or whatever, or there's a, or there's a, a blown call that then, um, you know, leads to like a, a, a bad outcome, essentially, you know, th- there's an argument. It's a very, um, it's a diffuse and sort of humanistic argument that you can make theoretically where, you know, the guy who, um, who has his perfect game, the, the guy whose career is not long he's not a famous pitcher he's not like you know it's not Warren Spahn or something you know who who would have had baseball immortality by throwing a perfect game and then this kind of crazy thing happens where the ump just blows the call like right. does that guy you know there there's a world in which that um uh, where having that perfect game robbed from him leads to a kind of a bigger and sort of more yeah. uh, important kind of life lesson and a and a sort of like it's a moment in time and like in some cases, that guy goes on to be like a motivational speaker who is mm-hmm. famous not because he threw a perfect game, but because he had something happen to him unfairly. And he is a guy who goes around and talks to high school kids and says, like, "Look, failure and happenstance are part of life, and you need to pick yourself up and dust yourself off." Blah 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 blah. And and like I, I can actually like if I squint a little bit, I can actually make that argument. I can actually say that Galarraga is going to be more famous for the rest of his life and will have a sort of more interesting outlook on life because of the fact that he was robbed of something than he would have if he had just been like, like nobody remembers Len Barker. Who cares about right. Len Barker? Like, he, well, I do. He, yeah, right, you do. <laughs> and, I don't.
2: I, I, don't do. I, I 100% agree. Like, I I would not have remembered that kid had it not been for that. And, and not only do I remember him, like I can picture the play in my mind.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can picture the way he looked, the sort of smile that crept over his face. You can picture the... Well, who was the ump, Joe? I forget now. Jim Joyce. Jim Joyce. Yeah, right. Jim so, Joyce. So the next day, Jim Joyce gives the press conference, and he's, like, crying, and Gallagher yeah. is, like, comforting He's like, him I can't believe
2: I took that kid's perfect game away. Right? Like, Gallagher yeah, came off yeah. great, because he was such a good... It was like a clinic in sportsmanship.
1: Yes, exactly. And and there is, there is an argument you could make that those moments, um, in, in certain situations, that those moments are kind of, I don't know what the right word is, better in some way because they were unfair. It's like, it is, it's, it's a lesson you try to teach your kids, right? It's like, you know, my, I think I've told this story in this podcast before, but my in the like 11 U championship game in my son's uh, little league, um, they were up by one run in the last inning and they had their best pitcher on the mound. And there was a grounder to my son at short and he picked up the ball and he threw it to first and he beat the kid by three steps. And the umpire ruled that the first baseman's foot was not on the bag. Hmm. Now it was, from my vantage point, it was impossible to see, but it was a good throw. The guy didn't, the kid didn't have to stretch or anything. Yeah. And immediately like 50 people were like, what are you talking about? He was foot was on the bag. His foot was on the bag. And I'm just like, no, his foot was not on the bag then that kid stole second and then a kid flared a ball to the left and the, the kid scored and tied it up and they went into extra innings and they ended up losing in like the uh. second or third extra inning. And I so know. there is a, there's a way in which I was like, okay, this is, this is Galarraga, right? This is like a life lesson. Things don't, even when you do everything right, he fielded the ball cleanly. He made a good strong throw to first. He beat the kid healthily, And yet, it didn't break his way because of some, I don't know if the kids. Incompetence
2: by the first (laughs) baseman. That's
1: right. The the lesson is don't never trust your friends. Yeah, that's right. No, (laughs) the lesson is people always let you down. No, the lesson is like, the lesson is like sometimes in life things happen that are unfair. That's an important lesson. I think obviously for kids to learn and, I, I kind of get it. And it's just, but it, but, and the other, the flip side of the coin is like, man, it would have been cool if he had gotten a big trophy for winning a championship because he deserved to win it. Like he, he and his team like won the game fair and square and they should have won. So, you know, I, it's, it's, I don't think there's a right answer to questions like this. It's just interesting that they don't, that they, that they don't happen anymore that now because of replay. I
2: I have a, I have a proposed name. I have a proposed name for like the Galarraga type moments, which is they're like 10 cup moments. You know, it's the, you know, Roy, nobody's going to win. Nobody's going to remember who won the open, but they're going to remember your 12, right? Like it's, yeah. they're 10, yeah. 10 cup moments, I think. I think that's,
0: I think, well, look, I, there is a right uh, answer to your son's game, which is, unless that kid's foot was 75 feet off the bag you don't you don't <laughs> call the guy safe in a a U11 game you're calling him safe because his foot wasn't on the bag on a on a pretty routine play uh, i mean i don't know it look must, at it from
2: the other it, side what if you're the what if you're the dad for the other team you're like his foot was not the on the bag the
0: other te- if you're the dad from the other team and you're thinking his foot was an inch off the bag and therefore, oh, an he, inch. you know, yeah, my okay. kid is safe. Give me a break. I mean, I look, I don't know. You thought his foot was on the bag, Mike. Am I right?
1: Yeah. As f- I mean, the reason I thought his foot was on the bag, again, I couldn't see it from where I was standing. Right. But the reason I thought his foot was on the bag is because the throw didn't pull the guy, didn't pull the first right. baseman any, in any direction. It was it was a chest high throw right, right down the middle. And so it, there was no reason for his foot to be off the bag unless he just hadn't put his foot on the bag, which, and the kid who, who caught it is a good athlete and good first baseman. And I, it just, it, it wasn't a play I'm that just, would have suggested that his foot was off the bag. We're going to need to get saying, the
2: first baseman on this podcast <laughs> and we're going to need to talk to him about it. I need to hear from him. Like seriously, little Bobby, what, what happened? Bobby, tell the truth.
0: Tell the truth. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying that, uh, that I'm better than sure. That that foot was off the bag. That doesn't that that feels like much much in the same way. By the way, that that was my beef with the Galarraga play. My beef with the Galarraga play. Look, umpires are going to miss calls all the time. Uh, I, I get it. If you're that umpire, and I know it's a it's a it's an instant call. You you're you're making it from the gut. You've made you know a hundred thousand calls just like it in your life, and and you're you're going on instinct. And I get that. You might want to be really sure that guy was yeah, safe.
2: Ty goes to the perfect game.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. Ty definitely goes to the perfect game yeah. on that one. And I look, I know in your mind you're like, I don't want to give him a perfect game if he didn't deserve it. But I would say that is trumped by the I don't want to take away a perfect game that he earned. Uh you better just be sure. And and that was the, the real headache of that call was it wasn't that close. No, it wasn't, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it look, he looked out in live action and fed to the point where the announcers were saying things like, well, maybe he didn't get his foot on the bag, maybe something this, maybe something this, and then they showed it, and it's like, well, none of those things happened. So, Yeah. Uh, but I I totally agree. I don't think there's any question that Galarraga, I mean, does anybody, like, right around that time, Philip Humber... Threw a perfect game right and dallas braden threw a perfect like who cares like nobody didn't aj nobody
1: burnett cares. throw a perfect game or a no hitter uh i think he threw a no hitter yeah
0: i don't think he threw a perfect game the truth but, is but is it, that
1: that it matters more to the guy to yes. and it when when they do throw a no hitter or a perfect game it matters more to the to the player and when something remarkable happens or on uh you know unexpected happens it matters more to like the larger world of baseball and baseball fandom so you know it's like the the Galarraga is much more famous than Len Barker probably or Philip Humbert because or or Philip Humbert yeah
2: but if but if Galarraga finds himself in a room with those guys he feels a little inferior and that's the thing right like that's (laughs) it is that that's like inside of baseball it means one thing it's like For me, like as a as a combat veteran, like I did one tour, and to the average civilian walking around on the street, they're like, "Oh man, yeah, he was in Afghanistan." But then I got friends who did three, and if I'm in a room with them, like I know they did a lot more. But the the random civilians, like, yeah, both these guys went to war or something,
1: right?
0: You know, so like within baseball, I bet it's a thing.
1: Yeah, I, think I don't you're right. know. And I'll, I, I bet
0: he, I bet he feels like he threw one. I bet he feels like he threw. Look, I mean, yeah, but they had that on him.
2: They, they, you know, they
0: he did throw <laughs> one. But like, there's
2: the unspoken thing. Like, if they were to get in a friendly back and forth, one of them would be like, "Yeah, you know," but
0: I got all the outs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they have like no, like perfect game parties and they just don't invite him to it? You know, nope. they're just yes, like
2: yes, yes, I think like <laughs> yeah, like if you like, it's called the statistics, it's called the history. Like, he's not invited, man. It's, but that I'm said, just I'd not... rather be him.
0: <laughs> I think I would rather be him. I like that. I, I, I think...
1: like that. Remember, there was that moment like 25 years ago or something where the uh, the official baseball statistician gatekeeper types took away a bunch of no hitters that yeah. people had thrown yeah. because they were like rain shortened, right? Like there were seven inning rain like short. Dave
0: Palmer's and they, five yeah. inning no hitter. They yeah. think, no,
1: that there is like, <laughs> imagine <laughs> being in that club and then having your membership revoked. Uh, like, oh, like that must be Well, terrible. that's the thing. It's like, like Dave
0: um, Palmer's looking in the mail and he's never getting any no hitter party invites anymore. And it's like, <laughs> this is terrible. This is terrible. I threw a no hitter. Hey,
2: in, in high school baseball, so I threw a no-hitter in summer ball playing for this traveling, ridiculous premier team that was like all the best players in the area. The thing that I never tell anybody, although I'm about to say it, is that our team was so good that the other team quit after three innings. So, <laughs> so really, I threw three innings. of, And it wasn't a perfect game. I hit like two guys. So, sure. but, like, okay. <laughs> but I threw three innings of no-hit baseball. And I've spent a lot of my life being like, yeah, I threw a no-hitter once in high school.
0: Alright, so so I, I'm just going to take this, but I want you to give me the full scouting report on young Jason Kander, the pitcher. Sounds like Threw hard, wild, kind of a kind of a wild thing type of pitcher. What how would you describe a, a young
1: as Nolan pitcher? Ryan? Is that what a you a young
0: were? Nolan Ryan uh, before he got his control?
2: That's middle school, Jason Kander, and then <laughs> and then I then I hurt my shoulder and I learned and and I couldn't throw as hard, so I learned the art of the of you know the curveball and everything. So then I just became this like finesse pitcher who was Ooh. okay, but could could give you your innings, you know.
0: So kind of a right-handed Jamie Moyer.
2: Yeah, I really was into. <laughs> I was my thing was like I was the I was the crazy guy who would throw a curveball in a three two count knowing that it would only work half the time like because I was just like oh this is fun
1: I love that <laughs>
0: okay yeah all right so so sort of a junk baller uh, you 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 threw hard like uh, you know in your younger days blew out your arm and then uh, and then kind of refound yourself as a pitcher Mike I- I've never heard you actually Describe uh, and and give your own scouting report for you yourself as a player.
1: I was a um, I would say I was like a right-handed Tom Glavin maybe. Oh, that's pretty where, good. Where, yeah, where I Ooh. I didn't throw. I was not the hardest thrower on the team. Right. But I had very good control, and I had a good. I had a decent. By the time I was like fifteen, sixteen, I had a decent breaking ball. And I just lived on the outside corner. I just threw everything to the outside because I was like, nobody, everybody's <laughs> trying to pull the ball and they'll just ground out every time. And, uh, and but really, I, I was a, I was a pretty good pitcher, but really my, like my, um, I was a middle infielder by trade. Like I was a shortstop sure. second baseman. Uh, and I was like, and I, and for as a hitter, I was a pretty good fielder. I had an, uh, an okay arm, but I was a good fielder. And, uh, but really as a hitter, my, I was like, um, I was an absolute, uh, I was like, okay, I was Tony Gwynn if he always pulled the ball. I always pulled, <laughs> I, never, I never hit the ball to right field. I always pulled the ball, but I had a, a real knack for um, pulling the ball between the hole and, and short and third or pulling the ball down the line or driving the ball into like left center. And, uh, and I was a really, really good contact hitter. My last year playing baseball in Babe Ruth League when I was 16, I think I came 15 or 16. Um, I I only struck out once the entire season. Wow, wow. Yeah, I struck out one time, and unfortunately, it was uh, as the last out of the game with the tying run on third.
3: Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and everyone, I looking? was coming up, and was it no, uh, I no, I. I I because I idolized Wade Boss as a hitter, I never swung at the first pitch, and the, the kid who was pitching uh, just was pumped was just pumping in strikes. And so I went, I took two pitches and went to zero and two. Everybody was like, "Well, Mike won't strike out; he hasn't struck out all year." And then I he threw another one, and I just swung and missed, and and uh, and that was actually not a joke. The last baseball game I ever played oh. because that was the last game of the season. It was a playoff game. It was the last game of the season. And um, I was choosing. I uh, I was I had this big decision to make because I was I had started doing theater, and I every spring there was a fall play and a and a spring play, and I would do the fall play, and then in the spring I couldn't do the play because I was playing baseball. But I was feeling more and more like I was into like theater and and writing and stuff than baseball, and so that was the last at bat of that season and that year. And then I was like, all right, I'm I think I'm I think I'm going to move on. And also, by the way, it wasn't just like a purely artistic decision also by that point when you're 15 16 the kids who were like getting really really good they're I, good they're really yeah. good and also they they've started doing stuff like lift weights and go running and i was like oh well, i'm not doing that like i'm, <laughs> I'm not i'm not going to i'm not actually i'm not going to exercise no you got to be out of your mind i'm not going to lift weights so it was a combination of like i had gone about as far as i could go as an athlete without really committing and then i and then i also has sort of had this other thing that was more attractive to me to commit to. So I think I, ultimately for my life, I feel like I made the right call. I, no, I think I think, you, I was, I think it's a
2: shame that it didn't work out at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean, look, I, I'm just saying, if you could have kept that Tom glavin esque you know, throwing soft look, if you had an Eric Gregg as an umpire, and and he was calling all of your pitches outside the you know, strikes, and as a hitter, you'd never strike out. I mean, that's a heck of a combination. I, right
1: I was—it's—it—you it made a them.
2: huge <laughs> mistake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it always shocks a lot of people that I was actually a good baseball player because uh, yeah. uh, because there's nothing about my current life and my uh, absolute um, reluctance to exert myself physically <laughs> in any way, shape or form that would that would indicate that. But I was actually a good baseball player. Uh, you know, the, my biggest problem was my vision started going really bad when I was like in sixth or seventh grade. For a while, I had glasses, but my vision was so bad that I had a distortion effect. Like the lenses were so thick, I couldn't fall. So I had to get contacts. Yeah. So I had to get contacts, and that helped. And then I was fine. But like my vision was a real problem um, for a while, like in seventh, eighth grade. Because I just couldn't. I would swing where the ball, where I saw the ball, but it wouldn't be there. It would be somewhere else, and so <laughs> I, it almost it almost went south or much earlier than it did. Wow, wow! Yeah.
0: Jason was was baseball your number one sport as a, as a as a kid?
2: Yeah, and you know what's funny is it's sort of similar. I played uh, freshman and sophomore year from my high school, and then and I was doing debate, and I was like, you know. I finally realized, like, I'm not going to get a baseball scholarship, but I might get a debate scholarship. And then, uh, so then I, but I kept playing because I played on summer teams. I just, I couldn't play anymore on the, on the high school team. And I, and I, and I played on the summer team. Like I said, there was this like traveling premier team and we played my high school team and beat the pants off of them. And that, <laughs> but I, you know, on that team, like I wasn't good enough to start, like I was, you know, cause it was such a good team, but yeah, so that's it. So it's very similar uh and that and ironically i ended up going to a college that had neither a debate nor a baseball team so not a very great decision <laughs> on my part
0: yeah. <laughs> well wait a minute wait a minute didn't you meet your wife on the debate team
2: yeah so she went to a rival high school and so we met uh in debate uh and yeah speech. i'd say that was a good call yeah no yeah, no, no it worked out boy. it worked out and then i did you know law school and debated things in the public sphere and so it worked out and you know now i just I, dream I, about I, baseball
1: i think you made a terrible mistake too i think we both made terror Yeah. we should have both committed hard to baseball and I think our lives would be better
2: I think what we need to do (laughs) is we need to give it all up and just start a men's senior league baseball team and
1: get serious about this thing yes now now finally a good idea comes out of this podcast
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) now's the time to get your student loan payments under control you could be saving by refinancing your student loans with earnest this is under the ideas uh, prompts by the way I love my high school My high student loan payment said no one ever. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to go on to the next thing here. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with earnest. Even if you've refinanced before with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is easy and fast. To start, complete a few questions online. Uh, It only takes two minutes two minutes, then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment? Combine many loans into one easy payment or get a better rate. Earnest makes it easy. And now you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com podcast That's a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash podcast for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS, number one twenty four nine one seven, California Financing Law License number 6054788, 303 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107 visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. You realize that I think a huge, huge part of, of why uh, so many, you know, of the players who, who make it to the major leagues, I think is, is actually specifically in what you both are saying, which is they never even consider quitting. They never consider anything else, you know, in their lives they are so utterly devoted to the game, uh, that that they just push themselves yeah. to to the, you know I mean, because I, I find it to be fascinating. You know, you know what I find like one of the most fascinating uh people of all time is um uh of course I'm not gonna even come up with his name, but the old Rams <laughs> quarterback, uh,
2: uh Warner. Um, Kurt Warner.
0: Kurt Warner, yeah. right. Yeah. So Kurt Warner Goes to Northern Iowa. He's a good player, but he doesn't get drafted. He's not. Or or if he gets drafted, he gets drafted very late. He gets cut immediately. He's not a a player. He goes and works at a high V in Iowa. And in his mind, though, he's like, I'm still going to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah. And. You know that, like everybody around him is like, "Yeah, sure," Kurt. Yeah, right, you know. Right, what I mean, right, you're just yeah. like, "Yeah, oh, that's gonna happen." Yeah. No, no, you you stick with that. Yeah, Kurt. clean up
2: on aisle three, Kurt. Did you hear me the first time? <laughs> yeah, to.
0: Yeah, <I> gonna... <laughs> Kurt, for two things: one, you're definitely uh, going to be an NFL quarterback, and two, is there a Clorox set? Yeah. Uh, yeah, can yeah, you right. check that for me? You know, and then and then he goes and like plays like indoor football and World uh, League football, and he just kind of and he. He makes it. And, yeah. and, and I'm so fascinated by that. Model. Well, it's a, by the it's a perfect you know?
2: example because Kurt Warner's athletic ability is indistinguishable from mine and Mike's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is like a key um, uh, question. I think in the minds of a lot of people who have aspirations to do something remarkable in a in a very limited field because this is a huge thing in acting right is oh, there yeah. are people there are so many stories that you hear all the time about actors who like couldn't get hired couldn't get a job were living you know minute to minute had no money were crashing on people's couches and then one day they the right a sequence of events lines up and they end up getting in a room with the right person. And then the next day they're Brad Pitt or whatever. And right. because of that, because that story is so common. Um, and by the way, that story is common because acting and Hollywood in general are, 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 you know, 70% luck. Like everybody's career is 70% luck. It, it doesn't matter how yeah. good you are. You have to get incredibly lucky to have the right se- sequence of events unfold. And so because that story is so common and because you hear it, um, so often from people, it it has a very negative effect on a lot of people, which is like, well, I know my life is going the way I wanted. And I know that my, you know, I haven't, uh, I'm however old I am, and I haven't gotten where I want to be yet. But look at all of those people who had all those things happen. And so yeah. it's like, a it's a false read on, on what is possible, given your life circumstances. And I remember thinking, I remember hearing like, there was a um there was a, a constant refrain when i was a kid about like um you would hear like you know hey einstein failed algebra <laughs> in eighth grade or you would hear hey right. michael gates, jordan
2: got cut from his high yeah, school basketball team right.
1: bill gates right. dropped out of harvard like you hear those stories all the time and it's like well yeah but that doesn't mean that like it's a it's a classic like uh, correlation causality thing it's like they didn't, he didn't become Bill Gates because he dropped out of Harvard. He dropped out of Harvard because he was so smart that he knew how to do, how to like start this company that was gonna change the world. But people don't think of it that way. They think of it as no. like the, the path to becoming Albert Einstein or Bill Gates or whatever is to drop out of Harvard or fail algebra or whatever. Like that's not the thing you do to, to get where you're going. It's just, it happens to be the case. And it's not and it happens to like Albert Einstein failed algebra, but he also knew algebra when he was three. So like he was probably <laughs> bored or whatever. So it, it, there's, there's just this kind of, I mean, I think about the, the other thing to say about this, by the way, I think about this a lot recently with, with COVID and what's happened to the world is, you know, my son lived uh, and breathed baseball uh, his entire life, and then suddenly everything shut down, and now he will have yeah. missed an entire year of baseball and a crucial year, like a, a year when he's yeah. twelve. Twelve years yeah. old is like a really crucial.
0: That's a big one.
1: Year, so. I don't know what this looks like on the other side um, uh, and normally in baseball in any sport but baseball i think especially there's a natural sort of winnowing down of kids every year like it, you know more and more kids are like yeah this isn't for me or i'm not that good and i don't want to play anymore and it's just right. this sort of natural sort of pyramid where you're like aiming toward only the kids who are who love it the most and are the best but this is like a bottleneck this is a real I mean, so many kids at so many different ages have missed an entire year of development. I don't know what youth baseball looks like on the other side of this. Like, I'm a little bit afraid for the future, um, not just for my own son and like what he goes through and whatever, but like what what does youth sports look like when everyone has missed essentially an entire year of development and practice and skill development and all that stuff? It's really a little scary. Like, I I don't. Um, I don't have a lot of faith, frankly, that my son is going to go back because it's really hard to play baseball and missing a whole year of it. Like when you go back and everybody's a year older and the kids are throwing a year, he hasn't like, you know, I know some kids have been practicing on their own or taking private lessons or or hitting off the tee every day. But like for most kids, it's a whole year where like they didn't develop their arms and they didn't sure. take swings and like,
2: you got to know, I, home, I think there's a... You got it just at home gym. And he just needs to be in there, like just benching and squatting every, and then, and then that's how he sneaks up on the other kids. Like that, that point that you hit that's where you're right. like, I'm not going to lift. So this is a, like, he can get out in front of that
1: just push him through it. Just say like, yeah. you know, just, it's a yeah. classic dad move of, I know I didn't do this, but you have mm-hmm. to. Yeah.
2: HGH is cereal.
1: Look, just start
0: bouncing a basketball off his forehead. <laughs>
2: That's right. Him, Santini. You know. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
0: go. You know, it's funny. You were saying that thing about causality. You, you I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast as well, but my biggest sort of sports, like to me, like one of the great trends in sports and, and misunderstanding causality is the fact that every Bill Belichick assistant coach, like what they do when they get a, a head coaching job, is one they wear the hoodie, yeah. they wear the stupid hoodie, and two they sure. treat the media like dirt. Like those are like, and believe it or not, I don't think that's why Bill Belichick's good at his job. Like, it's, <laughs> like he he does those things because he can, but like those guys take that's what they take. Yeah, you gotta earn They it. take with them. Yeah, they got it. They take the I'm gonna I'm gonna be mean to the media and and totally ignore them and be jerk, and I'm gonna wear this hoodie and I'm gonna be Bill Belichick. And so yeah, I I think I think causality is is a is a widely misunderstood thing anyway.
1: Yeah, I think if there's if there's one thing that human beings in general are really bad at, it's it's learning the right lesson, right from any from anything. Like it, it's very hard. People do not generally assess a situation and then go, okay, I understand that situation and I know why it happened. That's a very, that's a very rare event. Like people, it's much more likely that they correlate uh, whatever the outcome is to something that's utterly irrelevant. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like, it, the, the extreme example is sports fans who, um, who are just sort of superstitious and sit in the same place right. on the couch or if they start to eat to, you know, if they get up to go to the kitchen to get a snack, and their team does something good they state they stand right where they are you know that's what like all of fever pitch is about and it's a very a well-trod area for about sports fan but it. yeah i do i used to do it i don't do it anymore because i don't i just i'm exhausted but <laughs> i don't have i don't have the time <laughs> or patience but but that that kind of like extreme superstition is just the kind of the the glossiest and most obvious example yes. of the ways in which people t- like learn the wrong out lessons from from various outcomes so and it's a jason, huge problem jason you're a you're a you do. It, oh, I you? your, absolutely,
2: your absolutely like yeah. my son and I have matching chief shirts. And like, if he has to go to bed in the middle of the game, I'm like, well, you're wearing this shirt to bed, but like, <laughs> uh, so I do that. But, uh, I feel like I do it more to just feel like I'm a part of things. My wife does this for a living. Like she works with companies and organizations on like how to evaluate after things don't go well. And one of the examples, uh, sports examples that she always uses that I really like is that, you know, if, if a team like a basketball team loses a game by two, they will go before the next game and completely rethink their entire strategy. But if they win a game by two, they're like, everything we did was right. <laughs> and it, it yeah. makes because really what was the, the difference was like one basket at the end of the game, <laughs> but but they will have two completely different reactions to it.
1: Yeah. They're they're also That's there's, 100% there's right. also that problem where When um, if a team loses by two, they really look at like, well, look, look at the fourth quarter. Like you right. know, we, yeah. if we should have done yeah. X, Y, and Z. But it's like no, if if like you know, the 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 Celtics lost by two to the uh, to Miami on that, and everyone's focusing on the bam out of bio block, which is, granted, one of the most incredible <laughs> it's defensive it's, plays it's I've ever freeze. seen in my life. It is really, I it was <laughs> truly stunning. And and but like the uh, you know, Campbell Walker was one of nine from three. So if Campbell Walker is four of nine from three, and he hits you know three more threes in the first and second quarters you know the whole game is different and so it's it it's you can't only look at like the very end of the game to understand why the game went a certain way like the lesson should be wow these are two really evenly matched teams it's a coin flip it came up heads this time it might come up tails next time
2: so this this brings me to a callback from my first appearance on this show because when when I was on here before we talked about the 2014 wildcard game and how I met right. I met Billy Bean in an airport and we talked about when they really when the A's really lost that game to us but I didn't tell you the the disagreement we had cuz it's exactly in line with this His argument was that it was in the eighth inning when everybody in the world knew that Gerard Dyson was going to try to steal third and they didn't hold him on second. He's like, that's when we lost the game. And I was like, that is not when you lost the game. Right? He's like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I said, I said, you lost the game. You didn't lose it in the eighth inning. I said, by then we'd already stolen six bases. I was like, you lost the game in the first inning when Eric Hosmer slid into Soto, your catcher and was out, but damaged his thumb and you had to take your good defensive catcher out of the game and put in Norris. And then we stole bases on him the entire game. Right. And he and And I will brag and tell you that Billy Bean was like, oh my God, you're right. And then he goes, he goes, you'll notice that guy doesn't play for us anymore. I was like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I mean, that's, that's the wonderful and infuriating thing about sports is that like, it's, it's a, every single play starts this new, like microverse where events unfold based on the outcome of that play. And so it's like a series of forking paths that you can't, you can't just go back one, one decision tree slot and then go the other way and say, that's what happened. It's like, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. You have to go back to the roster construction and you have to go back to to all these (laughs) fundamental things. I mean, you know, again, a thing we talk about all the time on this show is like, why did the Red Sox go 86 years without winning world series? Well, you can point to like the 1949 pennant chase with the Yankees, or you can point to the 46 series and Enos slaughter running around from first or you could go to the fact that Tom Yawkey was a horrible racist and decided not to sign Willie Mays and Jackie Robinson. That's probably much more of an influence over the over their championship drought than any of those one things. Like it's you you can keep widening out and widening out and taking a more and more sort of eagle-eye view of any game or season or franchise or anything and 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 find more and more fundamental and basic reasons why things didn't go your way.
0: Well, and and the the great thing is that You know, everybody's just going to have a different, especially when it's really, really close, uh, like that, like that Oakland game or whatever. I remember talking with uh, Marty Schottenheimer. So, you know, the Browns had that stretch of time in the 1980s. Uh, Here's a little checking in on the Cleveland Browns Um, in the 1980s, where they they reached back to back uh, NFC. I mean, AFC championship games lost the first one on the John Elway drive and lost the second one on what everybody remembers uh, being the Ernest Biner fumble. Um, and there are two things about the Ernest Biner fumble that people forget. One is that if Biner had scored, the game just would have been tied. Right. The Browns wouldn't have actually led that game. But the, the thing that Marty Schottenheimer said, because you know, he was coach of that team, and, uh, and I said to him you know that I was, a, a, I was in Cleveland. I, I wasn't actually in Cleveland, but I was a huge Browns fan at the time. Uh, as I am now. And, um, and I remember that fumble and he said, you know, you know whose fault that fumble was. And I said, yeah, I assumed it was Ernest Miner's fault. And he said, no, it was Webster slaughter's fault. And he then drew up the play <laughs> to show me that Webster slaughter had missed his block, which is why Jeremiah Castile was able to come in and knock the ball free from, uh, from 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 Webster Slaughter, the Browns didn't lose the game because of either of those things. They lost the game because they fell behind like twenty eight three and, you know, came out looking terrible. But it's always struck me that that, you know, Marty Schottenheimer has probably looked at that play five hundred times in his life to try to figure out what the heck went wrong. And he and he finally came down to, as he would, being sort of the. X's and O's, you know, you got to play the game right type of coach that it was a wide receiver missing a block. That's the reason yeah. the Browns didn't go to the Super Bowl. So so I think, you know, I, I think part of the lessons that we learned is also sort of speak to who we are, doesn't it? Uh,
2: you know, how like Marty to not figure out that he should have called a pass play,
0: by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Too. That's the
1: ultimate Marty Ball story, by the way. I guess really, Joe, the question would be not, why did Ernest Beiner fumble? But what is it that you would point to as the reason the Browns lost to the Ravens 38 to six in opening day <laughs> that like, let's get into that. It's just,
0: well, well, if we're doing it our was Browns also, check-in. Right. It, it also came down to a receiver block. Uh-huh. No, actually. Uh, <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, look, we, we should, first of all, we should let Jason do a little crowing uh, because, you know, Really, for the first time. Well, I wouldn't say because you had the, the fun Royals run, but really, for the first time in your life, you have uh, a bully. Sort of the you're here, yeah. a bully. Biggest
1: Congratulations! This is this
0: yeah. Is you're the-, the biggest. You're the biggest team in sports. You're yeah. damn right. You're, first
2: you're damn right. And I'll take your lunch money. The, I'll tell you what. I, I actually yesterday because I was I knew I was coming out here and I was like I wonder what we talked about last time. So I listened to part of, of my two years ago when I was on here, and one of the things we talked about is Andy Reid. And, and it was sort of like, uh, you get, you know, you lost in the playoffs again. And it was, it was Alex Smith's last season with us. And we never mentioned Mahomes and boy, what a difference two years makes (laughs) because now we all joked about Andy Reed, you know, and like, you were like, what's going on in his headset. People are like, you know, Andy, we're running out of time. And now Andy Reed is just universally accepted as the smartest man in the history of football.
1: (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing though, man, to be fair, to us, past us, Andy Reid doesn't need to give a crap about clock management anymore because he's got 11 (laughs) RoboCops on offense who are blowing people out of the water to the point where clock management is the last thing he does. He couldn't care less. There's no no coach in the world. Look, Andy Reid's a great coach, and he's always been a great coach, and he's always been an offensive genius. And he he was the correct he made the correct call to let a very good quarterback go in order to to roll with Mahomes and they're going to win seven <laughs> yeah. Super Bowls and all that sort of stuff but the the flaws in his um it, it, i think what's happened now is that like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and all of the guys they have on that team are so good that clock management is like 73rd on the list of things <laughs> that he needs to be good at in order to make them win so i don't necessarily think yeah him a genius at it I just think he does I think you think it's irrelevant I think it's like give him 11 seconds in any scenario and then he can get into field goal range give him 18 (laughs) seconds and he'll be in the end zone like and that again that's to his credit like he's he's so good at at designing offensive plays like every time they break down an offensive set it just the defense looks like wait why are there 14 receivers on the field that was was just legal I don't we can't cover all these guys but also, I don't I don't uh, I don't necessarily think that he suddenly like improved in the ways that he had, was deficient. I just think that those those things well, are meaningless well, now. Totally. Totally well, there, agree.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there are there are two there. Are, yeah, there are two points to be made from that one getting back to the Browns. Uh, but the, the first point is now it's really, really funny with Andy Reid because look, Andy Reid was a fantastic coach for this with 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 the various flaws that I think. Every coach except for Belichick seems to have, you know, there, there's something with him. It was clock management, and but now, once you've won a Super Bowl, boy, everything changes. Like now, clock management is like this goofy little character thing, you know, that with him. Like, like if if he blows a, a, an opportunity at the end of a half or something because of clock management. Mm-hmm everybody kind of now like laughs, right? Like, oh, that Andy. Oh, Andy, Weed,
2: you're so you know? cute. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's right.
0: Win a Super Bowl. and Boy, your your flaws become uh, become pluses. Uh, you asked me why the Browns lost 38-6. to I don't want to – I don't think this is 100% the reason because uh, I think there are obviously numerous problems with the Browns uh, that I could go into that you would not be interested in, but – uh, if I had to pick one reason why the Browns lost 38 to six, and I'm saying this now after one game, which is probably not fair, it's definitely not fair. Uh, it's that they didn't hire Eric Bieniemy to be ahead of the coach and instead hired Kevin Stefanski, who I have already. Given totally
2: that. agree that. I mean, it, <laughs> oh. it is, it has caused them to squander the amazing draft class that Kevin Costner put together a few years ago. for them. <laughs> That's exactly
0: right. That's exactly. Right no i um, I really I, do I, believe that pianomy that was the guy that was the guy to go get, and you know but, somebody's gonna hire him i he seems to me to be fantastic uh, I just
1: everything about i him I find it awesome. um I find it truly I find several things about the browns tr- shocking as I always do every year <laughs> the th- thing that i I just heard which I hadn't realized I'm sure you did, Joe. I'm sure you've written about it is Baker Mayfield has now had four coaches in thirty games. <laughs>
0: Four coaches four, and four offensive coordinators. Four coaches and four offensive And he's
1: probably going to have a fifth in about uh, <laughs> about 15 games from now. Um, I have Jason, isn't it – let me ask you this, and well, I'm, we'll just turn the mic over to you for about a minute. Isn't it the most fun thing in the world to root for a football team that's as good as your football team is?
2: Oh, my God. It's the best. <laughs> like, it is the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, like, the other day – when we had the opener, you know, against Houston, I was nervous because like, I mean, I intellectually understood like we're crazy good. Like this is, you know, but you know, Houston did beat us once last year and they almost beat us in the playoffs. And, and so I was actually telling my son who's seven about how, you know, all the strengths that that the Texans have and, and true who's on his little sports journey. He was like, you know, I think we're going to lose dad, but I hope we win. And I go, yeah. And he goes, that's weird. And I was like, that's sports. Welcome to sports. <laughs> and, and so then the next morning, like I woke him up cause he had to go to bed. He, he went to bed and we were down seven Oh, and I woke him up and I showed him the highlights and I was like, it really wasn't a close game. And he was like, dad, I think the chiefs are like really good. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, and because I've talked to him about the contract ex- extensions, he goes, and dad, like Mahomes is going to be the quarterback till I'm like 18 and I was like I go yeah and yep. he goes I he, yep. he goes I'm really lucky and I was like you I was like you get it
1: yes you, and it's it's awesome you like, get it it's so great it, it's, it's it it's there's no better feeling like I I had this feeling I don't know 150 times yeah, no of, from from the years 2001 to 2019 which was like you, first of all you go into every game expecting to win like you you're you're look you look at your schedule and you're like I don't see how we're anything less than 12 and 4 I, yeah. I can't imagine not being 12 and 4 and like 14 and 2 and 15 and 1 is possible and but you also there's a second level of which is like in inside a game uh when the other team comes out super hot and it's 14 nothing you know 8 minutes into the first quarter you have a feeling that no one else gets to feel, which is like it's okay. We're still gonna win. Like, and you don't you don't say it out loud. You don't you don't say it. You don't. I mean, some people do, but to me, it's like. You just—it's in your brain that it's gonna be okay, yeah. and in it is the uh, it is the the greatest privilege of any sports fan in any sport. I think because you don't necessarily have that in basketball. If you're down 20 points in the second quarter in a basketball game, you know intellectually again there's a chance you're gonna win, but like you're like, man, this is this is gonna be hard. Like we'll make a run, we'll cut yeah. it to single digits, but like you, but like in football, that 51-31 playoff game. Where they were down to the Texans, wasn't it to the Texans? Yeah, we were yeah. down twenty-four nothing. Down twenty-four 24 nothing. nothing, and it, yep. but like you, you watched that lead evaporate in about twelve minutes of game time, and it, re- and tight. it just reinforced. It. Oh, no, no, tight. no, it
2: was both. No, 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 it was. It, so we were down twenty-four nothing to the Texans, and then we were up 31-24 at halftime, and then and yes, then to the to right. the that's Titans, right. we were down ten nothing, <laughs> and then one. By a bunch. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, like, you just, it is, it is an incredible feeling. I'm so happy for you that you get to experience this because unless something goes deeply and terribly wrong, uh, that you're going to have this feeling for like a decade, which is, oh, we're, it's fine. We're going to win. And when well, you don't win, it's like, huh, that's weird. That's yeah, not, that like, Yeah.
2: Something, know. something went awry. No, that, that's, yeah. That's exactly right, and but I also I will say I felt largely this way in '15 with the Royals because they were such a comeback team, like like being when we were down two, it felt like being up two usually it would feel because it was like now we got them where we want them, uh, but not to this degree. The other thing about it though that's interesting I've noticed is now when I watch like two other teams play football i'm like huh i forgot this sport is hard you know like when i watch like a team not be able to put a drive together i'm
1: like yeah
2: oh yeah i forgot like this is hard for some people
1: why don't why don't they just throw it 48 yards to tyree (laughs) kill but what are they doing oh (laughs) because they don't have him yeah
0: Why? It seems to me like they just just throw the ball to your tight end on third down every time. And he always catches it. It's always the first down. What is the problem? Why
2: does this quarterback not just switch to his left hand when he's being tackled on the right side? What (laughs) is is this guy thinking?
0: I will say that one of my favorite sort of Twitter little moments, and I actually followed up on it. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite little Twitter moments was the sheer disgust in in uh, Jason's tweet after sports illustrated asked if tampa bay had the best offense this year it was it was like sports illustrated did like that thing like does tampa bay have the best offense and and uh and i don't remember specifically what you wrote jason but it was so filled with just it was it was like it was like you felt sad for that. yeah that's sort of how it I,
2: I think i was basically just like you're not even taking your job seriously <laughs>
0: like,
2: like this this is not serious at all like yeah. Yeah. It's By the well way, getting- their
0: offense is not even good. So I so I don't I mean maybe maybe it will be at some point, but uh I thought son look, I think Brady is is old. I don't think that's a I don't think that's a hard opinion. I think uh Gronk is uh you know uh, just out of retirement for whatever reason and I don't that offense didn't look very good to me at all over the weekend. Yeah. I, 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 I agree.
1: I don't think um I mean if you were a betting man, would you – and I offered you Chiefs or the field to win the Super Bowl, wouldn't you pick the Chiefs? Yes. That's I. Well, of course you would. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, no, come I on, I man. Would. I think I would. Well,
0: look, I think the Ravens are really good. Look, I think it's tough. I mean, the, you know, Super Bowl is is always tough. My question for you both is you have the Bucks and you have the Patriots. Who finishes the year with the better record?
1: Patriots. I don't know. The Patriots' schedule isn't amazing. I don't know what the Bucks' schedule is, um, but they do have—you know—they always have two games against the Jets and two games against the Dolphins. Right. Oh, so it's. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think the Patriots. My my best guess for the Patriots is nine and seven, and I think ten and six is possible. But I, uh, and I think that it's roughly the same for the Bucks. I think uh, so. I I don't know that. To me, that's a pick'em. But I, I also don't follow the NFL closely enough to really have any kind of uh, decent analysis on this. I just know that like I'm I'm so happy because I've been freed from not only NFL fandom but Patriots fandom uh, in a, in a real way. And so now, uh, what little NFL I watch this year, I'm just going to watch the Chiefs when they're on national TV. <laughs> and it, it's like watching a Cirque du Soleil show or something. It's just like, ooh, wow, look at that. Oh my god, how did he do that? Like it it feels like just a a very pure form of entertainment that I get to experience without any kind of rooting interest. But you'll get to watch um,
0: you'll watch the Browns for the same reason.
1: I'll watch the Browns. I'll follow along with the Browns for the same reason. Yes. Uh, absolutely. For the opposite reason. For the
0: opposite reason. <laughs> Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you as much as hydration as two to three bottles of water and in this case i can tell you that i love liquid iv i use it uh it is uh first of all it tastes pretty good and uh when i go out i play uh some tennis trying to stay in shape and it has been uh fantastic for me as far as staying hydrated uh, i have felt uh better rested uh, after uh after matches i've i feel uh, i feel a lot better it's I, it really works it's really good one serving, let me give you the, uh, the info here. One serving of Liquid IV provides the same hydration as two to three bottles of water alone, as I mentioned before. Contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana, okay? Healthier than sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code word ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for Somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy, it's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large, I'm not really an extra large, I'm not really a double extra large, I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino, they have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself. Uh, you have every measurement you have uh, who your favorite beetle is uh, you know what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule and uh, and then you come out and and they're they're gonna send you uh, clothes that are uh, the fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. it's it's fantastic uh, with Indochina you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear, Uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and a monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, If you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the -the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at indochino.com. And right now... You'll get $30 off any purchase of three ninety nine or more when you enter the code JOE at checkout. Look at that, Joe. It's for me. JOE at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com and the promo code is JOE. All right, well, look, I wanted to talk a little baseball, but we're running out of time, so we've got to go to our our draft. Uh, So we are drafting, uh, all of us are drafting uh, American rock stars. That's it. That's the, uh, Jason, as you, as you, Uh, undoubtedly know from, from your experience on the podcast, we don't ever uh, go into any detail about these things we draft. We just, we just uh, say one thing and then like, that's it. And we're drafting it. So we might have completely different ideas of what American rock star means. uh, But we are still drafting American rock stars. And Jason, as our guest, you would normally get the first pick if you want it. Otherwise Mike can, Mike can take the first pick sort of to show you how we do. I'm ready.
2: I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Oh Yeah.
0: I think, Take the first okay. pick. All right, here we All go. All right,
2: so with my first pick, I'm going to take Steven Tyler, and uh, here's my reason. I just wanted to tell this story, which is that
3: okay.
2: that, uh, <laughs> that one night I'm in Oak Park Mall right before it closes, my wife and I, and we walk into a Claire's, those one of those cheap stores where you can buy like sure. you know earrings and stuff, and and there's like nobody else in the mall, and in walks this tiny man who is clearly a miniature version of Steven Tyler. And and he is completely wired. And he's like, hey, what's this? Oh, cool. How are you two doing? And then he runs away. And I was like, who is that tiny Steven Tyler? And then I looked in the paper and I found out that Aerosmith was playing Kansas City. And in fact, Steven Tyler is like four feet tall. That's my story.
0: So so you thought you saw miniature Steven Tyler but you actually saw full size Steven Tyler.
2: I had a whole what I assume was some sort of cocaine induced conversation on his end <laughs> with a tiny Steven Tyler and I just from TV I thought the guy was like 6 6 I mean he's so wiry and and such a big personality but uh, yeah and so I just I drafted him because I don't know how much space we have to hold this team and I think he'll fit wherever we put him
0: <laughs> right well fair enough Fair enough. Look, it's the story. It's alone is is worth. Uh, is, is, is worth. Is also, playing. you know,
2: Aerosmith right. good band. Another reason to pick him.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see like it's, it's sort of a set, it's sort of like basically you're taking Steven Tyler because you saw many Steven Tyler in a Claire's once, but also if you need to, he could like uh you know pitch mop up relief for,
2: for, for sure. Well. Like he can, he'll do the job. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. All
1: right, Mike. Oh, you have uh, the second So pick. this this was my top, this is my suggested topic. And it's because I've been thinking a lot recently about, um, you know, people do the thing of like, who are, who is the Mount Rushmore of whatever, you know, uh, right. St. Louis athletes or, you know, um, whatever. Like, which if you had to pick four people of in any one genre, who would you pick? And so I was in a conversation with a friend of mine about this. And I came to a conclusion and I think I'm right. I think that the greatest... American rock star if you if you really like take into consideration all criteria um, is Tom Petty um, mm. And here's my here's my argument. So first of all okay. even though he died tragically young, um, he should have you know had a, he should have he should live to be 150 because he's so great but he he released albums over a very long period of time he started pretty young and his he he went through a bunch of different genres kind of even though his like if you hear a Tom Petty song you're like that's a Tom Petty song but his early stuff is kind of like 70s rock and roll like just straightforward like guitar and drums and like just great voice and and just just classic like rock and then he went he he's had like um more folksy periods he's had more southern rock periods of his life he's from florida he was from florida so he he like you know there's some like there's some Southern rock. There's some like Bob dylan kind of, um, you know, folky stuff. Uh, he, sure. he was in a, he was in bands. He did solo stuff. He wrote like, he, he really loved um, uh, Stevie Nicks and he wanted, uh, uh, he wanted like her to be in his band. I'm pretty sure. And then he wrote like, right. stop dragging my heart around is like an incredible like eighties rock or late seventies, early eighties, like rock duo. And he, he sure. just had this like, he had this career where he went through all these different genres and all these different phases. And, and in every one of them, the actual songs that he wrote were just great rock songs. And so I, I, that's my argument. My argument is Tom Petty is, is the greatest American rock and roll star of all time, given everything.
2: I think that's fair. I
0: mean, dude was incredible.
1: Yeah, he was incredible. That's a that's
0: a terrible first time. <laughs> What? I, I'm just saying. No, look, <laughs> Tom Petty's available later in the draft. There's no question. You 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 totally overshot to get Tom Petty. Tom Petty is great, but Tom Petty's not the greatest American rock I mean there's there's no way that, that Tom Petty. Tom Petty is fantastic, but Tom Petty isn't even the greatest American rock person of his own time, much less all time no
2: stars. hey did, did you know mark Marin's special not the last one but the one before it mike did you hear his whole riff on tom petty no oh it's great he does a whole thing about how like in this era where nobody can talk about anything with each other and the, you know in, in the trump era he's like at least the one thing is like you could be in a conversation with a guy who's talking to you about like q on and you could be like hey man but we both love tom petty right and he, and, <laughs> right. And the, right and the guy's gonna be like yeah man tom petty's pretty great so <laughs> well,
0: that's I agree with that too all right all right well now now i don't know what to do because i think because tom putt was your anyways. first pick <laughs> no no he's on my board i'm not saying he's not on my board he's on my board but he's not my number one pick all right look i'm just gonna do i'm gonna purse i'm gonna to me the greatest american rock uh, uh star is the guy who invented rock and roll so my pick is chuck berry is the greatest american rock star chuck berry basically uh you know first of all he had an extraordinary career extraordinary length he was still playing like the basement uh uh of of st louis bars like you know and almost to the day he died he's awesome and uh, you know i just i just think johnny b good is where rock and roll starts so uh, greatest American rock star all time. Chuck.
1: See, Berry. You, this is a classic error. This is you, you've made a classic blunder, which is you've, <laughs> you've said, you've decided that greatest means first. And that's no. not, that's not true. Like Chuck Berry was Chuck Berry was great, but he was just first. Like he didn't, his actual oeuvre didn't like, it didn't, he played, he wasn't, he was like the originator, but that doesn't mean he's the best, like he, the, the best, um of anything isn't necessarily the, the first great of anything and so no. like that this is like a, this is what they it's the same argument that people make when they say that elvis was the greatest american rock star it's like no he wasn't he was just early he was like around early so everyone like like milton burl isn't the greatest american tv comedian he was just the first guy to be on tv doing comedy and bob hope wasn't the greatest you know, host of the Oscars or whatever. He was just like the first one <laughs> that everybody remembers. It's like, a, it, it's, there's a, this is like another correlation problem. You're correlating. No, first no. With best. See,
0: but all of those things that you said other than Chuck Berry are true because they didn't invent an entire genre. The way Milton, Milton
1: Berle invented Burl the just- talk show. Now, he, invented, he invented the comedy. Yes, he did. He, Basically invented he did the, comedy invent the comedy variety. show. Thing. He
0: just did the first one. Somebody else was going to do a television comedy thing. Nobody was necessarily going to invent rock and roll.
1: If, uh, if, what do you mean though? Like there's there's plenty of blues legends from that era who, if they had written Johnny B. Good, which they totally could but have. But they
0: didn't write Johnny B. But, Good. Nobody wait wrote a second. Johnny B. Only one person to, wrote Johnny to, B. Good. You
2: know, far be it from me to talk down a, a Missouri-based rock star, but I will point <laughs> out. That it is well known that Chuck Berry got his sound because of a phone call from his cousin Marvin when Marty McFly <laughs> was playing Johnny B. Good in 1955. So I mean, like, we do have to take okay. this
1: with a grain of salt. That the, the that actual is the true. actual greatest American rock star was Marty McFly. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's only because he came from the future. Yeah. That's basically what known we, at the
2: time right. as Calvin Klein. So it's it's lesser known to history. <laughs>
0: All right, you're up. <laughs> All right, Jason, you have uh, your second pick? Well, uh, you
2: all are clearly uh, just going for stars, whereas I'm putting together a total team. Uh, it's a little sure. bit different I have more of a moneyball approach to this. So um, I'm going to go a little bit different direction, and I'm going to take the fact that this, that this group was excommunicated from country music due to free speech in, uh, regarding the Iraq war as my opportunity to place my favorite genre, country music into this, and I'm going to take the Dixie Chicks for oh, some well-rounded talent wow controversial yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and and not not just controversial jason you just completely went off <laughs> I mean, the, it is oh. literally greatest rock stars that's oh. the name of oh you're thing.
2: gonna love my next pick
1: you're gonna love it
0: <laughs> you um, love the dixie well, chicks though
1: oh they're the best dixie chicks are great yeah, yeah they're amazing yeah they're great goodbye Earl, um it's a slapper great song it's a terrible pick but uh, <laughs> but still they're a great band um, I'm doing the same thing, though. I'm putting together a complete team, and that's why my second pick is Prince. Oh, oh that so now i got to cross that off my uh, board. Yeah, Prince Prince is probably the greatest musician who's ever lived in our lifetimes. Yeah, he plays like 75 instruments played, sadly. Um, if the, the, My favorite Prince... There's two great things about Prince uh, that I talk about all the time. I mean, there's a million great things about him. Number one is Dave Grohl was um was on a, a talk show once <clears throat> and he was talking about prince and how amazing he is as a musician and um you know dave Grohl started as a drummer and then like became a guitarist and lead singer and they were like uh do you, is prince a better he's like print he was talking about how amazing prince is at everything and they said like hey is prince a better guitarist than you are and he goes dude prince is a better drummer <laughs> than i am like like prince is better at every than." everyone at everything. I love that story so much because it's totally true. And then the second thing is there's there was a um uh, a I think a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame event where which you can watch on YouTube where to, uh, this kind of all-star band of all these great musicians when when George Harrison died, they played um While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Tom Petty was uh, was in it. There were a bunch of great people in it, and he played so they played While My Guitar Gently Weeps as a tribute to George Harrison. And um, Prince came out and played Eric Clapton's solo uh in yes. Wild Montreal Gently Weeps. And he just he just um like blows everybody on the stage <laughs> into the smithereens <laughs> with how amazing he is, and he just keeps going. Like he's clearly supposed to play for a certain amount of time, and he just decides, no, I'm gonna play for much longer than that. And it's the greatest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. It's it's the one of the most incredible guitar solos I've ever witnessed. And then at the end. Oh, this is He nice. throws his guitar up in the air and it just disappears. It never comes back to earth. It's the, I, don't know, I don't know what ha- he clearly like he set it up somehow. I don't know how, but he just throws his guitar up and it disappears and then he just walks off the stage. It's like he yeah. descended from heaven, played the guitar solo. The guitar was like, I'll meet you back in heaven and went, went back up into the atmosphere. And then he walks off the stage and you can watch it on YouTube. It's incredible
0: absolutely and i think as
1: a i think as a um as like a the only reason he isn't first is because i don't necessarily you can't just categorize him as a rock star he was a, he was like a thousand things of the star he was a pop star and he was like a composer and he was like he isn't a pure rock star which is the only reason he's not number one but uh but he i think he's the greatest musician of our lifetimes
0: yeah. Okay. Look, that was my pick. Yeah, so, solid pick.
2: So, uh, I had him with.
0: me. Yeah, that was going to be my my second pick. So, uh, <clears throat> two things. One, you mentioned uh, Dave Grohl. Have you guys seen the the video that's on yes. Twitter?
1: Yes, it rolls. of the
0: ten year old girl named uh, Nandi Bouchal who plays um, uh, she plays the drums on a little uh, on Everlong, right? <clears throat> On a little Foo Fighters yeah. song, and challenges uh, Dave Grohl, and, and Dave Grohl then comes back and writes a song just for her
1: hmm. so awesome.
0: yeah please come go on to twitter and uh, if you haven't seen it and, she uh, plays uh,
1: everlong she's like hey the, oh, wow. the oh. drums and it's she's like the dr- i love playing the song it's so fun and she she rips through it and then he wrote he writes a song about her and like sends it back to her it's it's <laughs> the best it's incredible
0: it's the it's it's the thing that has made me happiest this week you know in a, in a time where it's hard to find joy um my my, I wanted to tell my very quick um, story about Prince. So Prince played the Super Bowl. Of course, uh, his halftime is still, I think, the best halftime show ever. And at the Super Bowl, what happens is the halftime uh, performer does a press conference. And uh, Prince didn't want to do it. Uh, you know, famously, uh, uh, didn't really want to to do media. Uh, but he, he 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 decided he would. And he said he, he would do it, but he wasn't going to take any questions. And so they, they come out for the press conference, and, and Prince is there, and the person who is moderating it says, uh, uh, Prince has changed his mind. Prince is, is going to take questions. And somebody raises his hand and says, Prince, how does it feel to be at the Super Bowl? And he wheels the guitar. It was the, he was wearing the guitar on his back. He just wheels it around. And breaks into Johnny B. Good, and that was the press <sighs> conference. Just him, yeah. him just shredding Johnny B. Good. Uh, he's the, he's greatest. the best ever. He's the greatest. The best ever. All right, with my second pick, I'm going to just take. I don't. I don't even think there's worth the discussion. You know who I'm going to take. Uh, so I'm taking Bruce Springsteen with my second pick. Uh, Mike is not a Springsteen guy. I don't know how you feel about Bruce uh, there. Uh, I am obviously a very big Springsteen guy as uh, as required by law since i'm a sports writer um but you know look at the career look at the the length look at the songs he's written look at everything uh it's sort of the epitome of rock and roll uh, i knew i would get him later uh that's why i was going to take prince with the second pick but with prince off the board i'm going with bruce
1: boo <laughs> they're, <laughs> <That's> not, just... <laughs> they're not saying bruce they're booing
0: no, no, they're saying <laughs> no. Blue.
1: They're Why not are you? Zangers, they're blue. How
2: how are you opposed to? to... Bruce Springsteen, I mean,
1: I, I get, I, I, yeah, it's too long, long to go into, but basically I, him. I, I get why people like him. I just don't like him. I just don't like any of his songs or with like a couple <laughs> of reasons. That's a good yeah, reason. <laughs> I just like, I don't find his songs enjoyable. Like I, and I, and I, I don't want to take anything away from him, his career, his fans, the the, the culture around him. Like I totally i understand the fervor i just can't participate in it he's just never and and i and i've been through this a million things of like no no no. listen to this album listen to this album listen to nebraska listen I've, to I've the, given up yeah like it, it's I'm, so many people have tried so many things and i just i it just doesn't hit my like pleasure center in my brain i don't know why but uh but it, i i can't get on board and i I love I love that people love him. I think he's great and I think his like devotion to music and to his fans is incredible and blah 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 blah. I just like I can't I just can't get on board with the actual music. Oh, also my- the biggest thing is honestly is too many too much saxophone there's just too much saxophone there's saxophone everywhere you look every oh, you, time you're every time you're enjoying a song a saxophone starts playing and i'm just like no so, you, no. so, you,
2: so basically the 80s were no fun for you yeah <laughs> they really <laughs> weren't because i mean saxophone you know, i mean but saxophone is like that's the 80s man like see now the yes thing about, i know here's my argument for bruce which is that one Glory Days is a song where it barely rhymes and it totally works. That's impressive. Sure. And two, he got away with calling a fastball a
1: speedball. Yeah. We're not Did going he get away with it? Either, would Jason. you say he got away yeah. with it? It's, to it's me, mildly distracting, I will say. I will admit. Every But everyone <laughs> has the same reaction, which is like, what the hell are you talking about? Like what? Yeah, no, it is the, weird
2: because it's the, syllabically it's the same and, right? and it, it would have it rhymed the same. Perhaps Bruce never played baseball in his life or
1: was around the game, but still. You know, you, Bruce, Bruce is a you fan. Bruce is a baseball you don't have fan. To, but you don't have to play baseball. You know, it's called a fastball. It's it's crazy. It's like the, the only explanation isn't that he's not a baseball fan. It's that he's an alien in a human suit who's trying to like get, You know the way that like German spies <laughs> – When German spies would try to talk about baseball, they would get things slightly wrong. And that, that, he's either a German spy from World War II or he's an alien. Those are the –
2: so it's Only very similar, very similar to a lot of people's take on Tom Cruise. Then, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I get right. everybody likes him, but I don't think he's from this planet. Yeah, he's just from a different planet.
1: That's it's fine. look,
0: it's look, look, Jason. It's a terrible take. Okay, Bruce is yeah, Bruce awesome. is pretty great. It's and, not, it's and, not a and, good take. And it's, it's a, it's an absolutely terrible take. But that's but, all right. I, we've been through this. take To Mike's credit, he did. seems
2: to be acknowledging that it's a, a minority take based on his individual taste.
0: Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't mean he won't fight for it to the well, death. sure, that's I mean, you more know, fun. He's 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 going to still fight for it. He'll he'll give you that foe like, oh yeah, I could see why lesser minds might think he's great. Um, but then he'll but then he'll come attacking because that's how he. All he
2: right, all right. And y'all are going to hate with- this one then. Um, all right, go. so uh, this will take a little explanation. But I'm going to go with Crit <laughs> more than the Dixie. Yeah, 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 more. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Chris Gaines, and I just want to see if anybody
1: knows what oh that is. Oh my God, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? Is this a deliberate sabotage? What are you no, doing?
2: No, Here's the deal.
0: This is Alan Seppenwaller. All
1: right,
2: here's my reasoning. Okay, most people listening to this right now don't remember who that is. Mike, go ahead.
1: Go Chris ahead. Gaines, can- Chris Chris Gaines is the made-up uh, alter ego of Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks did an <laughs> experimental <front>. album. <laughs> Uh, where he pretended that there was a rock star named Chris Gaines and, uh, and right. released an album of rock songs. And he was like this sort of emo, like he had a, like a soul patch and kind of like moody emo hair. And he pretended that there was the, he made up this story about a rock star named Chris Gaines who was killed tragically in a car accident. And everyone hated it, apparently except for Jason Kander. <laughs>
2: No, no, I hated it too. It was new Coke, but here's my reasoning is that, look, I'm trying to keep payroll down here. All right. And so, <laughs> and so look, Garth Brooks, clearly one of the most talented composers of music ever. One of, the, one of the most incredible musicians, definitely one of the best entertainers in the history of live music. So I'm just figuring I'm getting Chris Gaines at bottom dollar. And then once he gets there, I'm going to be like, Chris, man. Why don't you just give us some Garth? Because this is ridiculous. And I think I get Garth
1: for, like, nothing. It's a backdoor way to get Garth Brooks, not a rock star, onto your best rock stars of all time, American Rockstars team. That's exactly right.
0: Not, not to mention, I got to tell you, you don't have a high payroll on your team right now. I'm looking at Steven Tyler and the Dixie Chicks. I mean, that that's oh. sounding like you know they could basically play your your next birthday party. I don't I don't see like you having a super oh, high girl. payroll. I, I, you you seem very a very Pittsburgh pirate. Yeah. Look, here. first
2: of all, small market team. Second, <laughs> Steven Tyler is not cheap. All right, like a lot of there's wow. a lot of things that just it takes a lot of money just to keep him alive. I think, and then <laughs> and then the Dixie Chicks. You forget that's three people. I did. I had to take three people. Uh So. You know, and plus, but more than anything, small market team, and I want to make sure that we have a lot of funds left over for like crazy shit in the seventh inning. Like, we're gonna have to, you know, <laughs> do like all sorts of weird <laughs> stuff to keep the fans engaged.
1: So, yeah, well, they're not is... staying very long. <laughs> well I can,
0: I can, I can see that. This <clears throat> all is, right, Mike, that was a disastrous pick. It's just
1: truly incredible that I'm drafting <laughs> second, and I have Tom Petty. And print and now I get Jimi Hendrix in the third round. You morons. <laughs> what have you done? You've yep. blown this so hard. My guy Jimi liked, Hendrix, liked the liked gr- Friends in
2: Little Places. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not a rock song. Jimi <laughs> Hendrix, probably the greatest rock uh, guitarist of all time. Uh, a, a true genius. The only reason he isn't higher on the list of greatest American rock stars is he died tragically young. But, uh, but like, w- name a greater genius at an instrument than Jimi Hendrix and the electric guitar, I dare you. Uh, this is a, I, I have Tom Petty Prince and now Jimi Hendrix, and I'm not even drafting first, and this isn't a snake draft. I don't know what you guys have done. This is, you've blown this so hard. This is going to end up being with, with the greatest uh, di- discrepancy between first place and second place in the history of the podcast draft.
0: N- not, not even close. Not even close. Since, since look, I've got – look, you're, you're, you're drafting second, but the guy who's drafting first took Steven Tyler, the Dixie Chicks, and, and Chris uh, the Gaines. alter ego of Garth Brooks. <laughs> so, so, so I, so you're really not drafting Fair second. Enough. That's first. We draft. are a
2: Cinderella yeah. team, and people are rooting for us.
0: <laughs> I would say that that was true, but I don't, I don't know people that people are going to view the Chris Gaines team as a Cinderella. Oh come team. on, he's really
2: Garth Brooks, obviously. Like. <laughs> Take off the wig, that's, Garth. That's, that's that's your motto. Your motto is
0: like, come see us. He's really Garth Brooks. Really. No, it's, it's okay. not that
2: dissimilar to the Bucks taking Tom Brady right now. I mean, it's just like, you know, we're like, come on, please buy tickets.
0: All right. I didn't know how far I could go with this, but I figure, look, once the Dixie Chicks and Garth Brooks got into it, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm taking Aretha Franklin with my third pick. That's not exactly, I mean, it's really more R and B and I'm not a hundred percent sure what the crossover is, but since she's the the greatest R and B singer ever, uh, in my view and, and just an absolute American treasure and, uh, could not be more awesome. Uh, I'm okay with that, so I'm going to take Aretha Franklin my third pick.
1: That's not bad. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty good. I I was going to pick her next. I was going to. I was going to take her next. So I, 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 for the first, literally for the first time, I can say to someone else, "Hey, good choice." (laughs) All right, the Blues Brothers. I cannot
0: wait. I cannot wait for. Yeah, what do you
1: got, man? Bring it on.
2: I wanted to joke and be like the Blues Brothers because that will include Aretha (laughs) Franklin, sort of. No, okay. all right. Now, one of the important things when you have a Cinderella team is to pick out one thing you're going to do really well, like much better okay. than others. And my team is going to corner the market on soundtracks just like, just, just <laughs> rock ballads for soundtracks. And that is why I will be taking Kenny Loggins <laughs> oh my even, God. I'm having trouble getting through these now with a straight face. But uh but I'm going Kenny Loggins, man. I'm going danger zone. I'm going footloose. Never mind that that was actually written by Dean Pitchford, but that's where I'm going. And uh we'll go with Kenny Loggins, This is, this is amazing. This is
1: amazing. If you were if this were a producer's style scheme to tank intentionally, <laughs> I don't think you could pick any better. Oh, just,
2: wait for my number five pick, baby. <laughs>
0: I was going to say your jokey pick of the Blues Brothers is literally better than every one of your real- It actually
1: is. You're right. I, I was obviously kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm frantically re-scrambling everything because I assumed that certain people were not going to be available. And now I realize that people who I oh, was going to draft are, are definitely going to be available. So I thought you uh, just
2: had Kitty Loggins next. I just thought
1: that's what it
3: was. <laughs>
0: Cross uh, Kenny Loggins off your list
1: Mike Oh my god uh all right i'm going to pick Tina Turner um one of the greatest vocalists ever That's strong. she uh she's like a force of nature um she's like her 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 career is insane if you go back and look at everything she's done it's bananas how long she's been singing at this level um so yeah i, I she's she's my lead singer she's she's singing while prince and Jimi hendrix and tom petty are are behind her, that's a that band rules. So I'm picking Tina Turner. That's, that's pretty
2: good. That's, that's pretty good.
0: It's okay. It's okay. It's not a report. <laughs> no
2: that's,
0: Kenny Loggins. It's good. Yeah. You're, it's not Kenny Loggins. You're damn skippy it's itself. not the it's not the alter ego <laughs> of Um all right so so look, people are listening to this, assuming that they really are listening to this, and they're like stupefied that like people who are number one and number two and number three on every American rock stars list have not been taken. Not one of them have been taken. Uh, and so I don't know whether just to go ahead and take them to, in order to just go ahead. Cause like I wanted, I figured they were just going to go. So I was not going to have to deal with it, but they're apparently not going to go. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So with my fourth pick, I'm just going to take Elvis. I'd take, yeah, I just feel like it's like one of those, it's like one of it's like Dan Marino dropping. It's like at some point you just have to take him. I mean, what what are you gonna do? I mean his career is
1: Do you six, have to take no. him? Bad do pick. You? Do you it's, elvis oh, stinks man elvis is bad elvis was just
2: elvis was just a white guy who came along and started singing music that black folks have been singing forever at a time when you know folks weren't ready to see black folks singing that on tv
1: that's exactly right he stole literally everything he ever did he is <laughs> yep. he's the least original he was he was the bridge between black culture and white culture. He made black culture yes. palatable for America. There's nothing interesting yes. about him at all.
0: No, that's, that is completely... I, Mike, right. I don't
1: know about you, but I think it's the... a little bit of a racist pick. I think it's a little racist. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it right now. It's a little racist. <laughs> all right.
0: I, I don't care. I don't care what you get. First of all, that's just completely... The point <laughs> is that elvis did bridge that gap between black music and and white music at a like time all great when thieves. nobody else was doing like that.
1: all great thieves and deceivers like all great yeah, thieves. <laughs> <laughs> no it's he capitalized it's, on the work of others
0: <laughs> he he the the man uh, was was uh, he absolutely brought an entirely new sound to America, when they were not going to hear it from anybody else. They just weren't I don't.
2: Hear it. I don't. I think you're going to have some clubhouse problems because I think that if I'm Chuck Berry, I'm pretty irritated about being in the same band
0: with the no, guy who no, market Berry corrected me.
2: How
1: know? about Aretha Franklin? I don't think that's right. Yeah. Do you think Aretha Franklin is going to be psyched that Elvis is part of her team? Yeah. I don't I think, think so. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. No. You. She no. Is. no yes, she's not. She no.
1: She's absolutely not. Yeah. They.
0: they Delvis. All those people loved Elvis.
1: No, no
2: choice but to say so publicly at that time. <laughs> no choice. No choice. They
0: All right, look, I'm just telling you it's 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 the steal of the draft and I'm sorry that you guys didn't want to take him. You thought he was a clubhouse cancer and I'm telling you my scouts tell me it's going to work out good
1: well. luck. Enjoy his 70s period where he's fat and bloated and has mutton chops. <laughs> and it that's, can barely make it to the there's stage There's
0: wonderful about that time no, there's
1: too. nothing wonderful but no wonderful there's about not time. there's nothing wonderful about it <laughs> yes it there is elvis barely dragging his fat ass onto the stage <laughs> in vegas
0: wearing capes and
1: oh yes that's there you go vegas all elvis. right logins what right. do you got loggins? bring it on
2: all right here you go now again my team it's sort of got a niche focus right my t- <laughs>
0: Does it does Yeah, it my now. team's
2: niche focus is on being able to to take jobs and take gigs that other people can't take. It's about being able to have somebody commission you to do a very specific song for while the credits roll at the beginning of a movie <laughs> or 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 mimic another artist perfectly. And for that reason, I will be taking Randy Newman as <laughs> pick number oh,
1: 5. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> oh, oh. I, I I...
2: We are an eclectic bunch. I'm not going to say that these are my favorite artists. They're not. But I'm doing this in a very but, objective uh, way.
0: Uh, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. When this comes out, I'm going to put your five picks on Twitter. Oh, please don't do ask that. People to, <laughs> and ask people to guess what the topic was. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> good.
2: That's good. Yeah, I like that. I think that's good. Uh,
0: how many How many people get that? How many people get greatest rock stars from those That spot? is a great it's just,
2: idea.
1: It's, it's <laughs> truly, you have, like, this is um, Dave Gettleman choosing, what's his name, Dave Jones or whatever that like, quarterback's <laughs> name is in the first round. It's everyone just looking at each other going, like, what? What's happening? Yeah. Why? Well,
0: these, Daniel Jones? I'm sorry? Yeah,
1: these people are available. If this were a 100-round draft, these people would all be available <laughs> in, in picks 96 to hey man, 100.
2: No matter what, Vontae Mack, number one. That's where I'm going.
1: All That's right. Well, deep cut reference right there. Instead <laughs> of si- since uh, Chris Gaines, Kenny Loggins and Randy Newman are all off the board. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick uh, God, I've, the world is my oyster here. Um, I'm going to pick Kurt Cobain. How about that? Kurt Cobain, the, the mm. great, the most, the important rock star of the last 25 years is my fifth pick. A guy who revolutionized an entire genre of music and in classic rock star mm. fashion burned very brightly and then and then disappeared sadly and tragically but kurt cobain every every single rock star for like 15 years tried to sing exactly like kurt cobain and tried to write music like kurt cobain and none of them could do it uh so he's my, I can't believe this. He's my fifth pick. That's amazing.
2: I think, I think you let your wardrobe do the picking on this one. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's clear that like the way you dress is heavily influenced by Kurt Cobain. And uh, I, if only that were true, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> if I, only I, I were
1: cool enough to dress like Kurt
2: Cobain. I, I don't know. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I think Kurt Cobain good. I'm, I'm always thrown by the fact that when they asked Kurt Cobain about his lyrics, he was like, I don't know, man, I
1: just say stuff that rhymes.
2: And I'm like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yes, unlike uh, unlike say a Kenny Loggins, uh, uh, the more the more br- the genius of Kenny Loggins, you know, Kurt Cobain could only hope to attain. Hey man, Danger Zone is a masterpiece
0: <laughs> of of what? A masterpiece of what? You, you of that, uh, that box point. office success. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm. You know what? I'm not going to say anything about the Kurt Cobain pick. It's fine. It's pretty good. It's uh, pretty good. It's it's fine. Uh, with my uh, fifth pick, I am gonna since I'm not going to take Bob Dylan. I'm just not, and and I think we all obviously clearly made that same decision that we were not going to take. Not Bob, a rock star. Uh, He's not Dylan. a rock star. So I,
2: Randy Newman can not imitate Bob Dylan. I don't need Bob Dylan.
0: I was gonna say Jason has no no uh, say in who, <laughs> what a rock star is. So so. um <laughs> So I'm going to take the guy who's had just the most extraordinary career when you look at length and uh, I'm going to take Neil Young with my fifth pick. So uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call myself like the world's biggest Neil Young fan, but I just really, really admire the work. <clears throat> and I can't believe how good he is. Like still like, it's like he, it, it there really is some sort of ageless quality to Neil Young. So uh and he is sort of the epitome of a rock star so with fifth pick i'm gonna take neil Young. i think there's you only
1: know, one there's only one problem with neil young as a rock star yep uh he can't sing he's a terrible singer but other than that it's a great pick <laughs> also isn't a this, voice. Isn't this voice.
2: american rock stars? isn't he canadian oh interesting yeah bobby McFerrin's still on the table
1: <laughs> just so you know <laughs> what about barney why didn't you pick Barney
2: <laughs> and didn't, yeah. didn't think of it. If I had it to do over again, maybe I would.
0: That's a really good question. He, cause he is an American, but he, he was born in Canada. I think, I
2: think it, you're I think disqualified.
1: it counts. It's DQ'd you're D you know, mm-hmm. you're DQ'd your whole draft is DQ'd. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm not worried about my draft being DQ'd. All right. You know what? If I can't have,
1: no, no, no. You get uh, Neil, Neil Young. Young. You get Neil Young. It's No, fine. no.
0: You know what? I'm going to take Stevie Nicks. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Stevie nope, Nicks. It's too late. You too late. No, I get you Stevie Nicks. Neil Sorry. Stevie Nicks nope. is my fifth. Pick. Nope. Nope, that's oh the way God. it goes. All right, I'm Steve-
1: appealing this to Goodell. I'm appealing this to Roger Goodell.
0: <laughs> well, well, before we're we're done here, after one last meaningless thing, I'm sure Roger Goodell will have uh, will have an answer for us. But I'm taking Stevie next with my fifth pick. Um and she's awesome. All right, so uh Jason, at the end of these things, um, usually rather than just arguing about what how disastrous everybody's draft was, uh, we always do one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last
3: meaningless thing To end this meaningless thing We talk about sports and we draft things we know Like how beaches are terrible, places to go No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe The podcast, whoa
0: It's one last, wall. And it is just literally a a meaningless thought uh, about uh, what is what is uh, well not about anything actually it's just a meaningless thought that has somehow uh, come into our lives. Mike, you want to you want to show them how it's done?
1: Yeah, um, sure. Um, my one last meaningless thing uh, for today is uh, it's actually less meaningless than it usually is. But uh, Joe did this long um, an excellent tribute to the Negro Leagues uh, Museum for the hundredth anniversary of the Negro Leagues and uh, he asked people to send in pictures of themselves saluting the negro leagues it was a huge success you can go look at it uh it's still up on the there's a website you can take a look at tippingyourcap.com um and so i wanted to uh my my unofficial negro leagues adopted team was the memphis red Sox for obvious reasons and i went to the website when joe started this and i thought like i wonder if they sell any memphis red Sox paraphernalia they do they sell memphis red Sox hats so i was like oh that's that'll be i'm going to order one of those hats and that'll be the picture I take of myself in that hat. So I, I ordered the hat, uh, picture myself in the Memphis Red Sox hat. Nineteen twenty-three Negro League champs, by the way. Um, oh wait, was it you no know, forty-three? Uh, I can't remember now. Thirty-three.
0: Yeah, 40, no, 43. forty-three.
1: Okay. So uh, so anyway, uh, this hat has now become my favorite hat. It's a excellent (laughs) hat. I love it so much. It is so comfortable. I wear it literally every single day. And uh, it reminded me um, of the, of the joy. It's been a long time since I've had this, the joy of having a truly great baseball cap that you just love. And that is your everyday baseball cap is, is a very, very specific kind of joy. Uh, And I now have it with this excellent uh, Memphis Red Sox new release cap. I highly recommend anyone who's looking for a great hat, uh, go to the Negro Leagues Museum website. You could—they have a bunch of different hats from a bunch of different teams. It's not just the Monarchs uh, or like the the famous teams. And uh, these hats are are—I don't know what it is. They're it's just it's super waterproof. comfortable and uh, yes. and really fits my head perfectly, which is rare because I have a weird giant head. Uh, so yeah, that this is my—it's—it's it's not quite as meaningless as it should be. Oh, they were established in 23. That's why the 23. That it says that on the hat, but it's just a great looking hat. And it's super comfortable. So I highly recommend everybody go to the Negro Leagues Museum website and you can order awesome merch.
0: There is so much great Negro Leagues merch out there. I mean, Jason, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's right there in Kansas City. I mean, there is so much fantastic uh, Negro Leagues uh, merchandise. And it's really recent, you know, now that CC Sabathia has gotten in the game a little bit with it and uh, some other people. I mean, this is it's a it's a glorious time to uh, to get yourself some Negro Leagues merch. All right, Jason. So that's how it works. Do you have one less meaningless thing? You can also use it just to, uh, don't you have a website? I mean, uh, like a podcast. Yeah, product? yeah, yeah.
2: I'm going to do both. Uh, all right. <laughs> meaningless thing. I'm going to go with just a gripe, just a, a public service announcement to, Please. to restaurants out there. Uh, look, if you're going to put shrimp in pasta, I, I'll take your word for it that it's fresh. Like you don't got to leave the tails on. Like I don't, I don't need to be putting my fingers in my pasta to remove the tails. Like I don't know, set them to the side. Let me know that they're there. Like I don't, I don't need that. And it's just that's just a public service announcement. It's the thing that bothers me. Uh, and, you know what? You know what? Hmm.
1: Nailed. I think so. Nailed it.
0: Totally Absolutely
1: nailed. perfect, meaningless. meaningless thing. Like, perfect. right, like you almost made up for your terrible draft by how perfect that was. It's an absolutely excellent, meaningless thing.
2: I've been on this hobby horse for a while. It's this and don't swim yeah. in the ocean. These are the two, the two that I really, man, that's, for we've, another we've, day. We've
0: hit don't swim in the ocean here. We've, we've, we've hit, we've covered that. We yeah. The
1: beach yeah. Yeah. Sharks, yeah, we've covered that.
2: sharks are dinosaurs. There's a food chain, you know, yeah, they've been around. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah no I'll just take the moment to uh, plug my podcast majority 54 it stands for the fact that 54 percent of uh, people voted for somebody not named Donald Trump and that the best way for us to make a difference in the country is for all of the people in that group to be having civil persuasive conversations with people in their lives and the other 46 percent and we equip people to do that on our podcast Mike has been on did a great job and uh, we'll be on again in the future there you go so,
0: I I by the way, did you notice that Mike has been on and we'll be you're on welcome. Future, and that is exactly. No, where no, no. Is.
2: You're welcome to right come there. on. You are welcome. <laughs> I just feel like an upstanding journalist like yourself, it's hard for you to come on. I mean, it's a partisan podcast, man. I mean, if you, yeah, but, I, but if I you're, apologize. if you're down, we'll have you a hundred percent. Oh,
0: I'm not a journalist. Give me your praise. Okay. All right. You're welcome <laughs> in the pod. <laughs> All right. My one last meaningless thing. That's, but it is, it's by the way, it it is a fantastic podcast. That is, that is not a joke. Majority 54. uh, Absolutely fantastic. All right. Uh, why my one last meaningless thing is just the other week, speaking of partisan things, uh, the, um, Wisconsin Democrats put on this wonderful, uh, table reading of princess bride where they had everybody who is still alive, uh, uh, play their original character uh, on The Princess Bride in a in a table reading that was done over Zoom that was just wonderful in in every way and I realized that there are those who would not listen to it cuz it was for Wisconsin Democrats but I'm I'm just telling you it was absolutely wonderful. In fact, Mike, don't don't you guys have something come up for the for the Wisconsin Democrats Yes, tonight
1: uh, I don't know if this will be out tonight, but Thursday night um, there's a Parks and Rec uh, town hall in in Um, a bunch of cast members and me are getting together to do a fundraiser for the Wisconsin Democrats. Same, same group. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same group. Yeah. To, to try to uh, try to win the state. And uh, anyway, it was fantastic. And it reminded me, and I, I've, I've had this thought before um, Rob Reiner uh, does not, you know, get a lot of uh, you know, when you, when people talk about great directors and, and all of that, they, they, Rob Reiner's name doesn't often come up and, and, you know, it could very well be because of the movie North just that alone might be enough of a reason. Um, but Rob Reiner started his career with spinal tap. Sure thing, the sure thing stand by me, the princess bride, when Harry met Sally misery and a few good men. And while none of those were considered, uh, Oscar, none of them were Oscar. I don't think any of them were Oscar nominated even while they were never considered like at the time to be great movies. Just about all of those movies have held up really, really well uh, through the years. I mean, I think uh, Princess Bride, you know, is is, is just uh, this perfect little movie, and Spinal Tap is, is one of the funniest movies ever made. And and uh, you know, when Harry met Sally, and these other uh, Stand By Me, I mean, these are he really, really was great. So so I was trying to think of who who like his career represents in baseball. Like somebody who came out of the gates and just was like absolutely fantastic and and then sort of fell off uh you know a little younger because like I say, then he made north and, and it hasn't been the same since then. Um so I've decided that he's the Dale Murphy mm-hmm. of of directing. That's what I think. Right. I think that the Dale Murphy won a couple of MVPs and then uh uh and I think both of them should be in the Hall of Fame. So that's that's my thought.
2: It's pretty solid. I can see Dale Murphy. There.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, it's pretty good. Very, very meaningless. Yeah, good job, <laughs> and totally maybe, meaningless. So that's
0: maybe good. Kurt
2: Schilling. No kidding. kidding. No, just, no.
1: just no. a joke. No. Just
0: a callback. No. If I go on majority fifty-four with you, we are talking. So oh, Kurt for sure. Because, uh, yeah, that's 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 one yeah. of our favorite. Yeah, topic. yeah,
2: yeah. I, I apologize <laughs> uh, to Rob Reiner for the comparison.
0: jason thanks so much for taking the time to be with us on this meaningless thing it was
2: fun man i always enjoyed it thank you so much thank
3: you
0: love it mike as always thank you
3: thanks for having me